Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. I hope you are doing well. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, Deuteronomy chapter 14. And if I were to give today a title, it would be Serve God by How You Live and by How You Give. Serve God by How You Live and by How You Give. The nation of Israel is about to get into a whole new area, and God wants to make sure that they set themselves apart from all these paganistic nations. So he's going to ask them to do some strange things. But they're all good, and it's going to be good for us to talk about together. Before we do that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you are subscribing to our podcast, our YouTube. Make sure that you go to my blog at brandoncannon.com. I am slowly trying to figure that thing out so I can send you some extra weekly content as it comes along. Also, our Facebook group. I really, really would love to create a community of people that we are just rallying around reading God's Word together. Wouldn't that be amazing? We're not rallying around politics or any of this other stuff there's, there's time and place for that. It's always time for God's word and a good old cup of coffee. Amen. Come on now. And so today is one of those days. You're going to get a cup of coffee for this one because uh, uh, <clears throat> we're going to look like we are back in the book of Leviticus for a hot minute. But it's important. If you remember, what's happening is, is the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is that Greek word that means second law. And what Moses is doing is this a collection of sermons that he is just encouraging this young generation to man, go all in for God. Don't leave anything out. If I were to sum up his his entire series of sermons, it would be trust and obey. It is the only way. But if you will trust in the only way, if you will trust and obey, you don't need another way, right? I mean, that would be the whole thing. But as he's going to talk about today is, hey, you're getting ready to go into this new area. You know, yesterday he was saying, don't let anything be more important than God. Today he's going to say, and make sure everybody else knows it. Make sure that everybody else around you knows it. Make sure God knows it. Live in such a way that nobody has to wonder who you belong to. What a wonderful message for us today. You know, someone, I heard them say this one time. They said, you know, if I were to go up and tell all your coworkers you're a Christian, would they be surprised? (laughs) And I remember thinking, um, well, I work at church, so that doesn't work out. But I haven't always worked at church, and there were times that I would be embarrassed because I thought I was, you know, undercover for Jesus. I don't think Jesus needs any undercover agents unless you're working, you know, in a in a, in a hostile, you know, country over in the Middle East or somewhere else. If you're living, you know, somewhere close to where I'm living, he needs you to be loud and proud. And that's what's about to happen because the nation of Israel is moving into a paganistic area. And as they are taking over, remember earlier it said they're going to take over slowly. And so what's about to happen is, is he's going to say, I want you to look different. I want you to dress different. This wasn't something that was intended to to embarrass them, but it was to say, I want you to look very different than them so that everybody knows you are mine. Now, just like if you were to you know, bring out some you know, fashion from the 1940s or 50s to our time now, it would look a little bit out of, you know, out of sync with our current culture. Some of the things he's telling them to wear and eat and different things are going to look a little out of sync to our current culture because... It's about 4,000 years ago, <laughs> but for the time, it was to distinguish them as these people are not like you. 
paganistic nations. Like we don't worship your gods. We worship Yahweh. So if you got your NLT Bible out, we're going to jump right into Deuteronomy chapter four and just enjoy. Here we go. Verse one says this, since you are the people the Lord of the Lord your God, never cut yourselves or shave the hair above your forehead in mourning for the dead. You have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. So in other words, the paganistic cults of the time, they would cut their hair a certain way in order to show they were mourning. God said, don't do that because you belong to me. So I want you to act like you're a king and a queen in my kingdom. Number three, verse three, you are not to eat any detestable animals that are ceremonially unclean. These are the animals that you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the addicts, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. I just wonder what's the difference between a sheep and a mountain sheep, but both of them Tastes like chicken. <laughs> Verse six, you may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and choose the cut. Verse seven, but if the animal doesn't have both, you it may not be eaten. So you may eat the camel, the hare, or the hyrax. They chew the cud, but do not have split hooves. So they are ceremonially unclean for you. So I read that wrong. You may not eat the camel, the hare, or the hyrax. You know why? Because they're ceremonially unclean. Verse 8, you may not eat the pig. There it goes. There goes that bacon. Well, praise the Lord. It has split hooves, but does not chew the cut. So it is ceremonially unclean for you. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. By the way, pause. We live in the New Testament. If you are a Jewish person and you live according to Orthodox Jewish customs, it's out for you. But if you are a Gentile living in the New Testament, you don't have to do that one. Okay, so praise the Lord for bacon. But um, your cholesterol will... Anyway, verse 9. Of all the marine animals, you may eat whatever has both fins and scales. You may not eat marine animals that do not have fins and scales. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Don't think about that too hard because it'll hurt your feelings. Verse 3, or verse 11. You may eat any bird that is ceremonially clean. You may eat the birds. Here's the birds you may not eat. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon, the buzzard of all kinds, all kinds of buzzards, ravines, <laughs> that's ravens of all kind, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, Hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl. Listen, don't get in, don't get anywhere near owls. Just leave them alone, right? The Egyptian vulture, the cormorant, the stork, the herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, <laughs> and the bat. Wouldn't want to eat one bat anyway. All right, it's just an insect with wings. Verse nineteen. All winged insects that walk along the ground are ceremonially unclean. Thank goodness, and you may not eat them. Verse 20, but you may eat any winged bird or insect that is ceremonially clean, whichever ones those are. Verse 21, you must not eat anything that has died a natural death. You may, <laughs> it's the picture of the Lord. If they've lived a long life and they've died, leave them alone, all right? You may give it to a foreigner living in your town, or you may sell it to a stranger, but you can't eat it, for you have set yourself apart as holy to the Lord your God. And you must not, for heaven's sake, listen to this, you must not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. You know, I did some research on that one time. I did some, I did the deepest research research I possibly could. And the best they can figure 
is it must have been a very popular thing, a popular paganistic thing to do that, cook a young goat in its mother's milk. So that's the best that they know. But for some reason, God felt very particular about that. But I didn't need to do all that research. You know why? That's cruel, right? That's just cruel. And God's like, come on now. Come on, y'all do a lot of weird stuff. There's the line for me. Don't do that. All right, here we go. Verse 22. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth, that's 10%, of all the crops of your harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of the grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn male of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you to always fear the Lord your God. Now, when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring your tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds and put your money in a pouch and then go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want, cattle, sheep, goat, wine, or any other alcoholic drink. Then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. And do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans, the widows in your town, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God uh, will bless you in all your work. So the first half is live in a way that honors God, and the second half is give in a way that honors God. Notice in the first half he was saying, hey, eat this, don't eat this, do this. That way you set yourself apart as my people. Now, on the second side, he says, I want you to give like you belong to me. I have given you everything. I I got you out of Egypt. I've been with you for 40 days in the wilderness. Do you remember that when he said earlier, your clothes never ran out, your shoes never ran out? I have given you so much. All I'm asking in return is you give me 10%. Have you ever thought about that before? I was reading one time and found that there are some cultic religions that require that those who adhere to their ideology, give up to 90% of their income and keep 10. Can you imagine if God did that? He doesn't do that though. He asked for 10%. And you know why I think he does that? I thought about this a lot. I think he asked for 10% because 10% is just enough that you feel it. If God asked for 1%, it's like, sure, God, go ahead. You know, you need more, you know, if he asked for 5%, like, oh, okay, it's fine. A little math issue there, but you know, we'll figure it out. 10% is just enough that you got to think about it, that you got to reorient things just a little bit, that you got to do without, you know, that extra cup of coffee, you know, uh, every once a week, you know, what, what, however that works. It's just enough that you feel it. And notice he said, you know why you bring the tithes? He said, doing this will always teach you to fear or to respect or to put your trust in the Lord your God. That's someone asked me one time, they said, Pastor, are you telling me that God is asking me to trust him by giving 10% of what I have to him? That would be to his local church. I was like, yeah, yeah, he is. Do you understand what that would do? I was like, yeah. Do you understand that means that I would really have to rearrange my entire you know, finances? I was like, yeah. Do you understand that that would be hard? I was like, yes. <laughs> Why would God do that? I said, well, it just so happens. Deuteronomy 24. Do this because it will teach you to always fear 
prioritize, put your trust in the Lord, your God. One of the things that we struggle with, I've had people tell me, I'll give God my soul, but he didn't get my money. I'll, I'll give God my job, but I'm getting my money. I'll give God my family, but I'm not giving him my money. You know why? Because money is a symbol of control. For some people, it's a symbol of freedom. For some people, it's a symbol of, you know, I told them I was going to be something. Now look what I have. But here's the thing. Money will never give you what only God can provide. True identity, true rest, true peace, true joy, true security. But God knows that money, more than almost anything else, fights for dominance in our life. Even Jesus says you cannot serve both God and the love of money. The money itself is not evil. It's what we do with it that becomes evil. God doesn't mind you having things. He just doesn't want things to have you. And so that's why he says at the very beginning, I need you to set up a system in your life where you give me 10%. I'm not asking for 15, not asking for 20, not asking for 90, 10. I'm letting you keep the other 90. I want you to spend it wisely. Praise the Lord. But I want to do that to teach you to always fear the Lord your God. So here, here's the question of the day. Number one, if I were to go up and I were to ask people in your life, are you a Christian? Would they say, well, of course he is. Of course she loves the Lord. Or would they say, I'm not so sure. Something to think about. And then number two, are you trusting God with your finances? And if you say yes, does that mean you're giving faithfully? Not when you can, not as the Lord leads, because the Lord has led you according to his word to give consistently a tithe. Not when you get caught up on your bills, all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. Are you honoring God in your finances? And if not, do you think God is pleased with it? It's a hard one, but it's a good one. Let me pray with you. We'll be done for today. Father, thank you so much that you love us. You are for us and that you, God, want good things for us. And so you tell us in your word, do these things that you may have life. And I'm thankful that we have an opportunity to grow in this together. Don't forget, God's word says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, today I have given you the choice between life and death. Choose life. You can make this choice by loving God, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, and by committing yourself firmly to him. I love you. I hope you choose life. I'll see you tomorrow for Deuteronomy chapter 15.